says that discussion about world events, history, and yes, even conspiracy can't be fun. Well, after sitting down with film director, producer, and alternative historian Sean Stone, along with 21st Century Wire's own Patrick Henningsen and Dean Ryan, I am convinced that even serious discussion can have its own flavor of humor and lightheartedness. Granted, the subject of this roundtable talk, which took place on location in Los Angeles at the Conscious Life Expo, was anything but funny. We discussed the complexities of the esoteric side of conspiracy and global events, but blend knowledge with extensive research, add a pinch of tongue-in-cheek, and what you'll get is a recipe for an energetic and exciting discussion and an honest desire to want to learn even more. I would really, guys, love to have a a little roundtable about the hidden aspect of a conspiracy. Let's call it where the esoteric and the exoteric meet, right? We know this word conspiracy, I've been trying to, I looked up in every thesaurus another name because I'm tired of using the name because it's got such a stigma attached to it now, right? I agree. Um, it's, well, I'm not going to get into the philosophy of what I, what I think it's gone into, but it's, it's a growing buzzword. And when you put theory next to it, it gets even bigger and bigger and bigger. But, you know, as burgeoning as this is becoming, there's still a lot of folks that are dipping their toe in the water of what I would call the exoteric or surface level and yet are still somewhat oblivious to the fact that there's an underbelly. And that's what I want to talk about, the esoteric. Um, you know, there's the I word. We may bring that up a little later in, in this talk. But, Sean, I know that you have been very uh, diligent about sort of exploring that aspect of this story. Uh, Patrick, you as a consummate journalist, have explored all dimensions. Dean, you're, you're right on the forefront as well. So let's just, let's just talk about this. What, you know, how big is what we would, what I would call, maybe there's a better word, the esoteric aspect. How much is the esoteric driving, when I say esoteric, the metaphysical, um, the, quote, secret societies, etc. There's a lot to that. Um, how big of a deal is that in the carrying out of what we see on the surface level, you think? And anybody could jump in. <laughs> that means big. <laughs> Patrick. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, as qualified, maybe, as, as these guys uh, to answer Sean, that question. That's I can only give you my That's what makes it so interesting. Yeah, because yeah. you're more of an outsider, and maybe in that sense of not of, of being more of a student of just conspiracy, and, and not just conspiracy, but of events. So maybe you could actually kind of see, hey, there's something odd, fishy. Do you feel that there is something odd and fishy beyond what the physical eyes can process going on here? Well, I I actually started my my uh, foray into this little field, big field. Start. I went right in the deep end, mm-hmm. so I started uh, going investigating crop circles mm-hmm. and uh, you know lots of other kind of crazy, more crazier stuff than what I'm doing now. So I I, I did a regression. So I've kind of I've come to the surface uh, for for various reasons, but I started off with the real. You did a regression. Uh, something like that, yeah. So, <laughs> Not or, a spiritual regression. I don't know what to say. I, I, I've bubbled to the surface uh, from the depths. I, was, I started the depths and I've worked my way up uh, simply because I found that through this process uh, I wasn't able to articulate a lot of these uh, concepts and uh, ideas with uh, friends, family, work associates. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I thought, well, how, how best to... Uh, Get there's a certain amount of initiation that goes into anything yeah. when you have le- levels of knowledge, 
whether that's in academia, whether that's if you learn to be a chef, mm-hmm. you got to make sauces for six months. Mm-hmm, you know, right. before you, and you, or you got to knead dough. If you want to be a master baker, you just sit there and you knead the dough. Mm-hmm. You don't even touch the oven. You know, you do that for a year in France if you look in a boulangerie. Same thing with information. So I thought, well, I, I need to probably find a, a strata somewhere between the mainstream and the occult to allow people a, a doorway, an entryway. I'll give you an example. Uh, you talked about Chris Kyle today. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm well aware that Chris Kyle's craft international mercenary firm that he started uh, were present at the Boston bombings. But I, I wrote a piece about American Sniper recently. I didn't mention that. The reason I didn't mention that, because I knew if I, if I mentioned that in that article, I might lose 20,000 mi- right. minds. Yeah. So I thought, I'll leave that for later, because right. a lot of other people have articulated that rather than ourselves. And so I, I, 21st Century Wire is a doorway. If people want to go deeper, there's other uh, venues which they can go to go a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. But if you try to be all things to all people, you can't. You're not, you might not be effective or you might not achieve anything. Right. right. So Very true. Very true. Indeed. Is that why you joined Alex Jones? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to agree with Patrick on this, but, uh, you know, they, they say 90% of the communication is nonverbal, and there's all the symbology that uh, Sean talks about, and, uh, you know, even paranormal stuff, it's just that, that the, a lot of people at this uh, Conscious Life Expo speak of, so mm-hmm. are there signs of, of what the future holds and all these symbols? I'm sure there is, and, and, and the Aztecs spoke about it in the post-2012 awakening, and you know, I think we're rising consciousness up and uh, maybe finding what our sixth sense is and what the Egyptians knew. Mm-hmm. So, so what you're saying um, is that there there are, let's assume that there is this, what I call underbelly or foundation that is of the non-physical realm, let's just say. And, you know, again, I think the temptation, especially in the realm of conspiracy, is bad guys, good guys, up, down, this, that when maybe it's none of it, it's just a neutral thing that those that have less than benevolent um, motivations will leverage, and others who you're speaking of, like the people that come here that are very interested in uh, the importance of this, also uh, want to use it for benevolent reasons, right? So so this we're talking about this, this infinitely mysterious aspect to reality, it is. It's infinitely. Yeah. I mean, someone kind of helped me understand how mysterious this reality is. And they said, look, mirrors are technology. Mm-hmm. And no one thinks of mirrors as technology because it's like, oh, the mirrors reflect reality. No, they reflect some perception. It's always a reverse, by the way, it's always a reversal of the, the, you know, of the, of the reality, right? If you hold up your right hand, it looks like it doesn't. It's not exactly the same it, because it's, it's a reversal of the, of the image, right? Yeah. It's never quite the exact same reflection. But further, the mirrors are in our own eyes, mm-hmm. right? right? And so as depending on how, you know, the dimension of the curvature, obviously, it's going to change the image that we're seeing. So the nature of this reality is, or it's almost mirrored realities. And I think that's what's so interesting about the nature of film, cinema, media, mm-hmm. because they are basically giving us... Um, mirrored reflections that that we tap into as humans and then start to actually become our mind frame. That's why the Nazis were so concerned with mind war. The idea of like the, the, the mind war being the most important battlefield. 
how you control propaganda, how do you control what people see when it comes to an image on the news. When you make movies, you start to realize, wait, I'm a magician. I'm cutting the frame. I'm cutting the image here and here. So, in the same with you know with the TV news, if if you you know if you show an image of Iraq and, and, and it's like, this is Iraq. There's a building burning and there's a man standing in blood. Now my association of Iraq is that image you've created for me, right? And this is just one example, but it's continuous. So the whole nature of the reality is that we're not really ever engaging with reality. We're engaging with reflections that are given to us by certain magicians. And then I think it has, you know, the, real, the true nature of reality is more to do with the energetic being that you are, your energy body, and your sense of intuition, your sense of direct experience and some and even sometimes when it comes to you know for example dream time you know the nature of this reality being a type of dream mm -hmm. no different than when you wake up from a dream this this reality also will come to its end and then perhaps we'll realize that all this was simply an illusion and yet it was reflecting a higher reality that we call spiritual right so that's i think really the most important thing for people to grasp is that this, there is nothing, there's very little tangible to grasp onto in this reality. It is a subjective quantum, quantum physical universe that's holographic, that is, that is basically um, subjective. That every time your consciousness looks at something, it's actually changing the event. That's why we can change the past, because guess what? When you look at the past from different eyes with a different understanding, your emotional reaction will change. If you understand why, you know, for example, Kennedy was assassinated. If you're five years old and you think that it was done because some villain, you know, lone, assassin, lone nut hated the president and took your leader, that's going to affect you emotionally in a different way than if you're more mature and realize, actually, no, there were certain people that saw him as an enemy and basically Kennedy, you know, represented these things. It wasn't all good or bad, but he basically represented certain American traditions that they wanted, that he was obstructing, you know, uh, others from, from seizing power. Mm -hmm. Then your emotional reaction is going to change and your emotional reaction is going to change how you proceed forward as a human being. This is all about an emotional battlefield. Absolutely. So where our emotions are going, where we, if we believe in, for example, in higher principles, in morality, in honor, and basically, you know, in, in ju you know, justice and things like this, mm -hmm. um, then it creates an emotional reaction that will affect our reality. Mm -hmm. But right now it's being stifled because of these illusions that have been created by mirrors that ultimately are showing our more negative sides, our basically our, our demons, our, our angers, our, our frustrations, our reptilian brain thinking, which is a reactive brain, and that's responding to all the world around us, and we're not understanding the causes, we're not understanding the, the, the roots, we're not understanding what led to this image that appeared on our screen one day. Absolutely. Wow, that was, that was well said. You know, I just interviewed uh, John Rappaport, I'm sure you guys are familiar with his great work. Mm -hmm true investigative journalist, and we were talking about just that, how in the midst of, you know, he's a big proponent of constructed reality by others versus constructed reality, assuming that reality is malleable by us, um, but the others, let's just say, whomever they may be, really sort of leverage this overactivation of what we call the art complex or reptilian brain, and, and so um, it's, it's quite easy, in fact, maybe difficult to see outside of of that, that yeah. it's really the brain stems, part yeah. of the brain stem. So I think that's very important. You know, you talk about the mirrors, I think that's a great, it's not an analogy, I think it's actually literal, very interesting. Uh, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who's here, is a, a good oh, friend. Oh, she's awesome. She's uh, awesome. She's, I 
Rosemary and I have known each other since the 90s, and yeah. we can talk about the gym, because, you know, she's a huge... I've talked to her uh, about it, but, yeah. I'm glad you have. Her, we should get her in here. She should be on the round table. Yeah, well, I, Rosemary is on my show a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, we'll probably do something before the, before the expo's over. But she also talks about mirrors and how... And I'm still wanting to know a little bit more about the metaphysics of that, because I think that's phenomenal. But you brought up... The way you brought that up was very important. Projections... Not only coming out of mirrors, but at any point of reflection. Mm-hmm. It's really what it is. Very interesting. Let's talk about the gin for a minute. Are you guys... I know that you're... you're <laughs> the He's guy. actually a gin. Are you a gin? <laughs> I just, or, or, I just are you a, a tulpa? I'm, well, I'm, are you a platform yeah, yeah. of somebody else? I'm, uh, I'm gin and he's tonic. A lot of people don't know. That's where we go together. Oh, but really? I, I just want to say on the, the last subject... A sprightly character. <laughs> Dean Ryan. And he's the, he's the lemon. So, you know, but on the what last the on the last topic, um, everything he said is I was going to say. <laughs> make that for the record. I think that's like the brilliance. But I didn't want to be pompous about it, and I'm glad you said that. <laughs> All right, we can proceed now. I want to I want to hear more about you, Mr. Ryan. Well, how on earth did you get into this absolutely? Bizarre feels. How on earth do I get out? That's how right. How do we all get that's out? That's how. That's the you real question. Uh, it just accidentally. Uh, no accidents. Um, I made an error, <laughs> and uh, no, I had a friend who was working with Alex Jones, and uh, he, before that, he did a little radio show in Rhode Island, and, the, and I was in the fashion business. I was a exec, I was an executive producer for a live show mm-hmm. and just putting things together and then um, then I was really into all this stuff we're talking about mm-hmm. and I my life changed when I saw the Obama deception then I made a friend who saw my work and then he started working with Alex and then they knew I'd produce some things and then they asked me to be part of the team and I started and, and here you are and, and, and yeah and I can't trying stop. to get out yeah. alright listen let's. I want to ask you guys a question this is a broad statement by our friend Jordan Maxwell who we just saw a few moments ago you know it, it does seem like we're traversing two different worlds with that question multiple worlds and as Jordan so famously puts it nothing in this world is the way we think it is yeah, yeah. do you agree you agree yeah. nothing Nothing. Nothing. It's a great statement. That's it is a great statement. Just, yeah, and you can throw that statement out there, and people can meditate on that, and it opens a lot of doors in yeah. their mind. It's a great, great contribution. If you even made that one sentence, no, nothing in the world is the way it seems to be. The way it seems to be. You know, that's 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 the problem. You're dealing with the world. You know, where they talked a little bit in the panel asking about shape shifting. Mm. The whole point is, what the hell is a human shape? You know, I mean, this is the problem. We don't know. We only mm. know what our eyes Fundamentally, can see. Fundamentally, that's you know, right. All we can see, all we know is what our eyes can see in the empirical sense. And obviously our eyes, we know, are very limited in terms of the wavelengths they can pick up, right? And then you start talking about different, you know, interdimensional existence and what's coming through. We can't, you know, can't even begin to fathom, right? We can't see air. <laughs> you know, we can't see, you know, we, the chemicals in the, in, the, in the atmosphere that we know exist. That right? we know and exist. The right. atoms and, and the particles and the elements, molecules that we know exist. But beyond that, um, can we, where do we, you know, where do you get to this mental landscape? Again, that, that really is the question, the mental landscape. Where do ideas come from? You know, people, obviously the one argument is it comes from the brain and the brain generates it. And the other argument is, no, your, your actual brain is more like a computer that's receiving, that's, that's connected to the wireless internet, right, mm-hmm. the World Wide Web, that exists beyond it, and so that's basically imparting information, and, and you are basically more of an antenna, right, than the, than the progenitor of all these thoughts. And the heart, 
in particular, I'm a huge proponent of the intelligence of the heart. I've done a lot of work with HeartMath, the Institute of HeartMath. Yeah. And, oh my God, there's just so many, so many possibilities, but we know that heart is the first to, uh, organ to form in our body, and it has been said, I don't know the mechanics of this, but that there is literally a little brain, if you will, that forms yeah. as the heart is forming. So it's our first connection to everything. Mm -hmm. And really, it is the, the, that sort of transmitter-receiver of which the brain is really just playing a supporting role. Right. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. But that's why emotions are so important. You Absolutely. Say. You know, the emotional state, and that's something that's oftentimes lost in the, uh, you know, what's become, what's become like the scientific consensus of the reality, you know, which is a new, you know, post-enlightenment, you know, view of the world, which is the idea that science and religion are, are separate identities, right? Mm -hmm. You're either scientific or you're religious. You either have knowledge, you have belief. And yet, again, so much of this knowledge is predicated on theories that are not it's laws. Not really They're not universal laws. They're theories. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, a th we have theories about how things work. Even when it comes to science, it's like, well, it's, prob it's probability. Mm -hmm. You know, anything that, that a doctor does with you is a probable. Is going to be? It's going to have a probable effect. You know, mm -hmm. you take a pill. It has a probable effect on your body. It doesn't have an absolute certain. So it's not a law. Right. Atoms, <laughs> atoms, and quarks are not scientifically proven. They've seen evidence after smashing particles of what could be an atom, right. what could be a quark, but no one's ever seen an atom, right. and no one's ever seen a quark. And so that is uh, what's called uh, orthodox science, mm -hmm. physics, and it's theory. Of course. It's, it's in the same category as religion, mm -hmm. it's, and philosophically. Right. It's, there's nothing uh, it, it's epistemological or empirical about it. Yeah. It's theory, it's best guess. Yeah. And, and that's perception. It goes back to what you were talking about, perception. So it's, it's what we perceive based on, and a lot of it has to do with credibility, from human to human. Absolutely. The idea, the raw idea itself, you, you know, we can argue about it and say, is it real, is it a theory? Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of it's, so it's not so much an information war or a war uh, or a, uh, it's, it's not so much about the information, it's, it's a war, it's a credibility. We're not in an information war. We're in a, it's a war and with humans. It's a war of credibility mm -hmm. because somebody, some guy in the homeless. I saw a guy in London. I am not lying to you guys. I swear. There was a homeless guy in London that was right after 9/11 happened, and he was ranting and raving to me, uh, just sitting there on the street. This pre, almost pre-internet. No, not many people had internet. Then. And he was saying they took out an insurance policy on the World Trade Centers. This alcoholic guy. Really. In London, and I was just like. You know, and I went about my daily business. Nutter. <laughs> yeah. With the British accent on he's, top of it. He's a nutter. But I went around my daily business, and lo and behold, well, that guy was absolutely correct. There was, a, sure there was. was a double insurance What's policy. What's to be gleaned from that, guys, but, when you've got these guys? So, so the credibility, he didn't have credibility in my eyes. And a lot of homeless people would say, have said very profound things to me throughout my life, but they didn't have the credibility. So for, for me, if I start talking about uh, a range of subjects, if, if David Icke, perfect example. Mm -hmm. David Icke is uh, absolutely articulate, can do the whole gamut of reality right to the absolute extremes. But because he's ta talking about trans-dimensional shape-shifting entities, most of the human race will uh, demonize him and throw stones at him and say he's crazy because of that one... So he's not credible. Well, the modern so, Western world would say that. Yeah, if, the you had, if, you yeah. Had, if you had the Mahabharata as your background and that was actually your spiritual belief, then you would say, actually, gods do appear as humans all the time. And that homeless person could have been a god in human, in the, you know, 
dressed as a homeless person because mm-hmm. that's that's Could their cultural tradition. Yeah, so in so our it's tribe, really, the in problem our is, tribe, that's it's our own, and that's especially America. I mean, let's be honest, conspiracy theory in Europe is is prevalent because people they've encountered it for hundreds of. For uh, literally hundreds of years and you know in every society's case it's like you're talking about societies that are hundreds of years old if not thousands right so it's like conspiracy is very normal yeah. in the Middle East more so the Middle East well it's normal here too you know, I mean China I mean let's be honest everywhere in the world it's it's not far out it's only in America that we have become this little cut off bubble thanks largely probably to the Rockefellers and the Carnegie Endowment for Peace and these kind of foundations that were established in the early 20th century mm-hmm. with the mission of controlling our mainstream media, controlling our education system, right? Controlling our worldview. Yeah. Because they did the same thing here. They were working on the same things here that they, that, they, that they basically shipped over to the Nazis, including eugenics, right? So the point being that there is this really interesting synchronicity of the British imperial policy. The British Empire influencing America and influencing Nazi Germany through the rise of Hitler and whatnot. And ultimately, the Nazi experiment failed. The American experiment is becoming more Nazi-like. Mm-hmm. The American experiment, or the experiment of the West. So it's not the West. It's, I mean, it's British unique. Empire, in particular. America's unique. Uh, it's the latest version, yeah. if you will. You know, very particular. I mean, I think you go to any other country and you start talking about conspiracy theory, and it's like, you know, you have a discussion at least. Right. It's not where they laugh at you just because it's a conspiracy theory. You know, it's, it, it's really a mindless. Remember, the, there was this whole argument, like in the seventies, that Americans lack intellectual intellectualism. Right? Mm-hmm. There was this whole thing, like the American mind is not an intellectual mind. It's a it's a very gung ho John Wayne black and white view of the world. And so as a result, you know, we're the good guys. We go, we kick ass. We don't think twice about it. <laughs> we don't ask why we're you know we're the American snipers, mm-hmm. right? We don't care why we're there. We're just there to do our job. <laughs> And the problem with that is exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. So you end up with war constantly, and you know, basically under, the, under whatever whatever fascist predicate they give you. But the point being that we're always right. We are the good soldiers, and you know, as long as our Reich, our empire is intact, and you know, and I can still eat on the home front, you know, we have to protect the homeland, right? Right. So. Vaterland. The fatherland. The fatherland, exactly. Vaterland. I mean, the homeland, that's a, that's a Nazi concept. <laughs> the fatherland, sure. the homeland. We didn't ask for that. It just appeared. Right. Right. And the homeland, I mean, what the hell? Appeared in 2000. And then the Israelis obviously pushed that whole concept with a TV show. You know, it's, and that's obviously a very clear, you know, connection between Israel and the United States, both of which are basically occupied territories. The United States first was an occupied territory. We occupied what was Native American land, you know, mm-hmm. claimed it as our own, right? Started calling the, the Native savages and, and decimated them. Same thing with what Israel has done. So the mindset is obviously very similar to the, for the two countries. Pioneer, the you pioneer, know, the, the warrior sort of, mindset. The pioneer warrior, the, the, the city on the hill concept, obviously, because America also was the new Jerusalem, remember? It mm-hmm. was the new, uh, it was supposed to be, um, uh, what was it, Salem. Salem is Jerusalem. Yeah. Right? We were the new city on the hill. That's right. So Jerusalem. very similar, very very much connected in that, that, con- in that tradition. Listening to you just talk about history, you're very astute, uh, obviously, when it comes to history near and far, and again, in keeping with our theme of this sort of um, metaphysical foundation that has given rise to all of these movements, including Nazism and, and, and that whole process. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'd be speaking out of school to get into that. I know you know much more about it. 
but would you agree that there, those that have created this reality that is now written in our history books, some officially, much more unofficially, um, that there was, again, they were practitioners of this part of this esoteric component to make these things happen? Not make, but to assist to well, I mean, that's facilitate. That's you know, it, it, that's where it gets very mysterious. Yeah, um, I think that's where I want to go. The best <laughs> thing for for anyone to look at the Nazi rise of mm. the occultism is the book. Um, it was called Farbato, the Magician, and it's written by one of the most famous German occultists of the 20th century. And I'm blanking the name, but the name is Farbato, the Magician, and he basically was was someone who who documented his autobiography. The lodges, the Nazi, the, basically the German lodges that gave rise to the Thule Society and ultimately to Hitler, mm-hmm. um, and utilizing you know magical techniques that are described in detail, including how you basically ener- energetically project and kill people from afar. So very esoteric stuff he gets into in his autobiography, and really it's a must read for, you, for people to understand how this works. Tell us the name of it again. It's called Frabato, the Magician. Frabato, the Magician. Um, it's a must read. But the point being that you know there are. I think that's a must-read. The other one that's a must-read is Moonchild by Alistair Crowley, where he basically tells you, look, yeah, World yeah. War I was a magical ritual that we created, uh, you know, using ritual, basically using ritual means um, in order to create a mass blood sacrifice that is necessary to bring the New Age, the dawn of Horus. And um, he talks about, you know, basically the England own, owning Belgium, which you know historically is, is is accurate in terms of their allegiance. That's why World War One started for England was that the not, the, the Germans of that of that time in invading France they went through Belgium mm-hmm. and that agree that that alliance between England and Belgium is what prompted England to get into World War One mm-hmm. officially right. But behind the scenes, no, the British Empire was was had basically created all the conditions by its alliance system for World War One to unfold. And Crowley talks about it from a magical point of view as to why they wanted the blood sacrifices to basically initiate the new age. So you get texts like this that get more into that idea that there's physical documentation, there's physical patterns you can look at. You know, it's basically the British Empire hating the German Empire because the Germans were contending with them vis-a-vis industry, vis-a-vis the naval empire. The Germans also had an alliance with Russia, which was the key going to the, to the present day. You, the Germans and the Russians are never allowed to ally because that basically poses the tremendous challenge of control of Eurasia, right? Which the British don't want to allow the heartland, the heartland to, to, to lose the heartland, right? Mm-hmm. So the Germans and, and Russians have been great trade partners before the First World War and the Germans basically were importing a lot of the Russian resources and using them for their industry which was growing to become very vital. They were becoming the top, they were in the top three industries in industrial countries in the world. America, uh, I'm sorry, Britain was still the most productive, and I think America and Germany. The point being that the British didn't want the Germans in on their game, and especially when it came to the naval power and supremacy. Mm-hmm. So they had to create the conditions for World War I. Mm-hmm. So from a physical point of view, you say, okay, World War I was created, and it was most, why is World War I so important? Because that formalized the American alliance to England. America had never been an ally of England. We had been their enemy all the way through the Civil War when the British backed the South against the North. And that was a very important thing. The fact that the Russians defended the United States against the British Empire during the Civil War. And the British, I'm sorry, the Russians actually sent ships mm-hmm. to San Francisco and New York, basically in a, in, to stand in alliance against the British and say, if you invade, we will, inv- we will attack you. 
And in fact, this is real American history. Mm-hmm. And then to be betrayed by Woodrow Wilson and a bunch of Anglo-American, you know, blood, you know, basically the blue bloods that became they gave birth to the people like George Bush, that they betrayed America and allied with the British in World War One. That's where we have to this present day. This, this, this current conflict is, yeah. is the Americans basically being, having been collated into that British Empire. But again, it was done presumably through ritual purpose as well, vis-a-vis people like Officer Crowley. Wow. Big time history lesson. I don't know where we go from here, but it... Just, <laughs> yeah. just to add what Sean was saying, going, uh, reversing a little bit back to the uh, esoteric uh, occult uh, roots of uh, Nazism and the Third Reich. Um, you know, they were they had a hodgepodge of stuff going. Uh, Himmler with uh, uh, Atlantis, believe Atlantean oh, mythology yeah. that so was in there, yeah. and so was the I Ching, and it was just kind of a menage of all these different things. Well, the swastika itself and is a Hindu uh, symbol, and yeah. vril, vril, vril power, the, yeah. the thrill, thrill society. Well, vril, vril energy was actually adapted from the British occultist Edward Bulwer Lytton. Litton, who actually wrote the Vril, the coming race, about these subterrestrials who lived in the earth, and they basically uh, existed on Vril energy, which inner, is yeah, the inner earth, a uh, bit like a chi, kind of like yeah, a tall mm. blonde or a force, basically, mm-hmm. that connects all beings. So the point, the point of that is, um, you, you look at the surface, the political expression of Nazism, National Socialism, is what it, Nazi short for National Socialism, right? Yeah. So the, that's the political surface. Most people aren't aware, whether they're wearing a, an armband or marching, that below the surface you have all these different layers of uh, bigs of beliefs and initiations and all, all this sort of stuff, right down to the sort of the inner circle with uh, Henrik Himmler and Joseph Goebbels, or maybe there's an inner circle, a wheel within that wheel. A wheel within the wheel, yeah. But um, the, So most people aren't aware of it. They're just following the surface of it. And that's an allegory of so many other things uh, in terms of what we're talking about, these different, you know, perceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that layer on the surface that people follow, but below that, there's just lots of called the epidermis layer of reality, yeah, lattices, yeah. you know, upon lattices, and uh, most people are not aware. So, what's to say that there's this doesn't exist in other places, in our own time, right now, today, right. in our politics, our geopolitics? There's things that we're completely unaware of. We talked about a lot of these things on this panel today. They 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 gave an introduction to a lot of these concepts. Uh-huh. So um, I think it's it's a, little, a, lot, a lot deeper. A lot of layers for sure. Yeah. And I, but I think they are becoming slowly more transparent because I think people are just having a sense that there there are more layers. They're having their own individual experiences. They're letting that's lending credence to the true nature of reality themselves, which is uh, forcing them to look at. Uh, you know, the theater, the broader theater, global theater, with that same uh, sort of lens. Um, before we close out, we're winding down. We only have a few minutes left, but I, this is probably going to open up a whole can of worms. You know, you think of the word, these, nether, these terms, false flags. Okay, I'm going to say it, false flags. I think a lot of these terms are uh, unfortunately thrown around these days, and yet uh, it seems to be the most appropriate term to use with some of these ultra-blatant events that we're seeing paraded in front of our our eyes. You know what's always, out of all the aspects of some of these events that have been called false flags, is the drill, Mm. the proverbial drill that takes place beforehand. Mm. I've often wondered, and I haven't heard it talked about that, so I thought I'd toss that as a question out to you guys. Could there be an esoteric angle that may not be the totality of why it's done? Remember, it's not this or that, but this and that and that. They have multiple outcomes. But let's say we're looking at at it from an esoteric level, 
from a ritualistic level, might there be some correlation there with drills and how it affects, you know, our your subconscious? Mouth? Oh, your mouth. Oh, drills. Oh, no, those kind of drills. <laughs> yeah. Edit. No, I'm not editing anymore. Well, doing? you had one uh, LAX. You had a shooting here. What year was with it? C- with CIA and CIA. A couple years ago. Yeah. CIA, no, they CIA did and CIA was They did shooter, a drill at right? Ontario That was the guy's Airport. name. CIA. CIA. Oh. His name was Paul Ch- Chianchi. Chianchi. But it was CIA and CIA. It was his name. Yeah. CIA, so okay, that, well, they're, you know. So check it out. Ontario Airport, two weeks before that event took place, or three weeks before, had in a drill with the exact same officers. I, saw I think I heard I, that. It's, it, I have the photographs. It's okay. on 21st Century Wire. You can look at it. And then when they, when they were wheeling out the uh, mannequin or whatever it was on the wheelchair, that, on that big scene on the news, that was the same guys who did the Ontario drill, and I was like, that's the same guy. Wow. You have that footage on 21st Century Wire? Yeah, everyone, it's all over YouTube. Yeah. Just go look wow. at the LAX shooting. So that was a drill, so I don't know. It's what weird. is it with the drills, though, guys? Yeah. Something it's a needs to explain to me. Is there a, some esoteric aspect to why these drills are so constant? No, no, I mean, it's not that. Ritual, maybe, or something. Ritualistic. Well, is- I mean, here's what problem with drills. Drills happen all the time. Yeah. You know? So it's like saying, you know, uh, is it, is it, the rituals happen all the time too, probably. But the drills are just an easy, how would you put it? It's rehearsal. It's a tremendously easy cover so that whenever you need to actually go with something, you then have the drill in place. But I don't know that there's an actual esoteric meaning just to the drill itself. There'll be chatter. You know, drills happen in the real world too. So I could be doing a drill with my police department or Homeland Security, and there will be other people who aren't involved in my drill who might be observing what I'm doing. So there'll be chatter on scanners. Like, remember that cop? Remember that cop that died? Cover for a real event. You'd get the same chatter, but people would be standing down because they would say it's just a drill. Well, yeah, the, the drill... Um, the drill is uh, to confuse the good people in government, usually. So they think it's just a drill when it's actually a real, a real. Uh, uh, sure. And event. then once it happens, uh, all all. Uh, but what are you getting at? Because like, I know I I I I'm not quite sure. What are you getting at in terms of like the drills being esoteric? You know, I guess when you're looking at events that play out on what I call the epidermis layer, the physical layer, that which we can see. Yeah. And you consider, consider that there may be an esoteric foundation to how these things emerge, right. whether through ritual or, you know, conjuring, casting, I don't know. You, you begin to look at every component, especially those that are repetitive, as a possible, having a possible significance in that regard. I mean, you yeah. look at... You look but the at, problem with drills is they're not energy. See, it's not ritual. Yeah. It's energy feeding. Right, there's mm-hmm. there's tremendous. They're they basically are people um, projecting consciousness into a direction to create something, but then being able to reap tremendous amounts of energy, usually on an interdimensional level. Mm-hmm. Like this is just the basic of like any esoteric doctrine. Is like you have a ritual, you're actually feeding entities and beings that are not on your same dimensional level. They're actually like on a fifth or sixth or seventh dimension. Mm-hmm. They're actually feeding on all this. But point being that the drills themselves don't really give you energy because it's just a drill. So if, like, no one's dying, if no one's, if no one's right. panicking, there's no energy feeding. It's only when the thing manifests and you get a 9-11, you get a Sandy Hook, you get a, 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 a 3-6, what is it, 1-6 uh, shooting in Paris, right? right? Like, those kind of things are explosions of energy sure. that then feed, and that's where the ritual comes in. 
but the drill itself doesn't really give any energy to, to well, Okay, so this is what I just thought of to answer your question. That's what a good if, question to make. What if Sandy Hook was a drill? No one died. But it's still but energy. The, but the impact still... Because the energy is the fear. Yeah. You see, the create, it creates once, the fear. Once you, once you have people... Whether someone you can still create the fear. Exactly, because once media starts to portray death, and like even, if, even if it's a fake death... It still creates the fear Absolutely. and response well, you're looking for. You may be making, starting to make my, my point, Sean, that in the act of a drill, there are people involved that are carrying it out and perhaps some eyewitnesses. And again, if they're going through that process emotionally, how, how are they processing this subconsciously? Right. Maybe I'm speaking more from that perspective. Sure, but again, it's going to be very limited as opposed to the ones that are projected by the media. It's almost like a media. signature that they, it's almost like when, you know, Allegedly, Al Qaeda would uh, announce and and, and um, you know own whatever supposedly had been done. They would uh, they would claim responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's the same type of thing they're announcing. I mean, you see these parodies on YouTube, like the Family Guy with the marathon. You, you know what I'm talking about, oh, yeah. right? Why? What 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 is the purpose of that? Why was uh, Neo's passport in the Matrix? 9-11. 9-11-2001. <laughs> I'd like to know who actually caught that uh, and put it out there because it's so lickety split. You have to do, stand up and go look up. It's upside down, actually. Uh, the code, I, the code, All of these code breakers I know, they look at every movie. Like When they every watch movie. movies, they're looking at every the numbers movie. because the numbers are always indica- indicating something. Yes. Yeah. Um, but there's a that could be manifesting through transdimensional entities, though. But possibly, that's the whole, that's right? exactly my point. Okay. It's not necessarily a conscious decision. That's not saying that there's no mass. You know, even like when here, Sandy right? Hook. I mean, when Sandy Hook happened, people were saying you could see it on the map in the Batman movie in the Dark Knight. Yeah, it was it Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, I, I wasn't. I'm not sure if I if I, if that was a, a doctor thing that I saw online, but it no, was it's pretty. It's pretty weird that you could see Sandy Hook on. These things the are emerging with yeah. everything well, sectors, now. Right? What event has happened where we can't trace some anomalous... But also, let's be honest, what was, what was the hurricane that happened in New York right before... Sandy. Sandy. Right? Yeah. So On the East Coast. Not but again, it's not necessarily a conscious thing. It's, it's more of when you deal with magic. Again, it's the, the expression of the... A conscious thing by the perpetrators, you mean. Yes, even by the perpetrators even by themselves, the perpetrators. because again, it's a manifestation of mind. And the question, as I asked before, is where did these ideas come from? I think that's are there in the future? Are people possessed? Are people be, be yeah. getting getting ideas that are from entities that are basically giving you Whis- the visualization, whispering in, whispering in your know. ear, <laughs> literally? Whisper, well, that's whispering I was, was going to bring that up, or from the future, Sean. You know, yeah, exactly, from the future. It could be reverberating point. back. Right, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. From point. Because oh. like an event like 9-11, that's why I say, look at Back to the Future 1 and 2, it is there. Yeah. There's no way that, these symbol, that Zemeckis was like, we're going to make sure that we have 9-11. I don't think Zemeckis knew. But, again, this event creates ripples across time. I think you're absolutely... Forward and backward. I think that's plausible. And I was actually going to ask you, maybe we'll close on this note and maybe make it a part two, but the influence of the possibility of the gen or uh, ET, interdimensional, other beings, non-physical beings, which I think most of us agree we are sharing uh, space and frequency with at some level, might they have something to do with that? Both, not necessarily from a linear perspective, because I I really think that time is simultaneous. take time out. Take your timeline out of the picture and then look at it that way. Absolutely. This is where it gets really trippy. A whole different set of rules at that point. Lots to think about, huh? That's the that's that's our mission. That's our mission. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for thinking with me, no problem. talking with me. 
Thanks for your awesome contribution, Dean. You're just, well, you know, I'm, I'm and I love I'm your name. That's a very strong name, Dean Ryan. If you stole from James Dean, though. <laughs> well, it's better than Sean Stone. James, James <laughs> Dean meets Jack Ryan. Well, I'm glad I inspired uh, these two guys to have great minds. And uh, and thank you for helping me coordinate this. You really, yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah. So, Patrick Henningsen, I said it correctly. Henningsen, yes. Henningsen Sean Stone. Mr. Ryan, thank you so much. Give, give us your websites. I know there's a couple sitting at the table yeah, right 20, now. 21stCenturyWire.com 21stCenturyWire.com We'll have it linked up for sure. What are you working on right now? What's the, the, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to let people know uh, the, the, the Ukrainian uh, war is a complete fraud uh, on our side and ISIS as well. It's, 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 yeah. it's, again, the, the international protection racket is doing wow. its thing. So just so trying to educate people to see through the, uh, the U.S. media coverage a little bit deeper mm -hmm. what's really going on. It's, it's coercive. Mm -hmm. It's a coercive campaign to get us to maybe uh, a, a send weapons to another country to help story. egg on a, a, a destabilization. And so people can go to 21stCenturyNews.com yeah. to learn more about that. 21st Century Wire. <clears throat> what did I just say? 21st Century, Century News. News. Like, oh. yeah, I should, uh, Is that a Freudian that to, I'm going to buy that domain when we leave. <laughs> Mr. Stone. How, how goes it at Buzzsaw? We're just sawing people in half. I, I <laughs> What's coming up for your guests on, on Buzzsaw? We love that show, by the way. Oh, good. No, it's always a surprise. I don't even know myself. I think we'll get more into we'll get into some of the uh, uh, Satanism in the upcoming Ooh. episodes, though. Ancient Egyptology, Satanism, Mind War, all that kind of stuff. It'll be pretty cool. I'm sure it will. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a ball. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you. We'll check you out a little later. The events that shape our world history have multiple layers. Some are visible and some are hidden, well within the confines of a metaphysical reality. It was the consensus of this roundtable with Sean, Patrick, Dean, and myself that the esoteric plays an integral role and always has in what we see play out on the surface of our physical world. To learn more about the work of Sean Stone, I urge you to check out his weekly program on the Lip TV called Buzzsaw, as well as 21stCenturyWire.com, the online home of both Patrick Henningsen and Dean Ryan, to stay up to speed on all the goings-on in the world of alternative news. Thank you for joining me for this special episode of Conscious Inquiry. Until next time, I'm Alexis Brooks.